All right, Watermark Plano. I'm liking the energy in the room, so I think I know the answer here, but how are we feeling today? All right. All right. Good. Well, I don't know if anyone's asking, but if you are, I am doing just fine. Okay. I had a uh, good night's sleep last night in my own bed with my own pillow. Uh, the temperature in, the, in my house was nice and regulated, and it was a, a good night last night. Um, the two nights before that now, I was camping, and that's not my... Nah, favorite thing necessarily to do. And uh, uh, so we were out and, you know, so there's nothing between my back and the ground except a couple pieces of tarp. Uh, I didn't have my pillow. Uh, the temperature was most definitely not regulated. And so last night was, uh, was a sweet uh, evening uh, to get back. Uh, and so let me just give you first a, a pro tip here for you campers that if your wife asks you to uh, go grab the pillows, plural, um, don't just grab your pillow. Um, or else you will be without a pillow while you're camping, uh, and rightfully so, especially uh, if your spouses say pregnant. So uh, anyway, that was just a pro tip for you. Um, I'm not a camper, but that doesn't mean I'm not from Texas, because uh, I was born here in Dallas, Texas at Walnut Hill in 75, if you care to know, and, uh, and my family moved here in 1983 to Plano. They were looking for a quiet rural neighborhood in which to raise my sister and me. And so they were choosing between Plano and Forney. Uh, and if they were looking for quiet and rural, they uh, chose poorly when they chose Plano. Because Plano was anything but uh, quiet and rural at the time. It was on the verge of booming. We, uh, when we moved there, we, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with Plano, we lived on Parker Road in between Preston and the tollway. The tollway didn't extend that far north at all. Uh, and Parker Road wasn't even called Parker Road at the time. And it wasn't paved. It was just this bump, bumpy, dirty road uh, that uh, led to our house and maybe two or three others. Our side yard was a place where cattle uh, just spent time. Uh, and by the time we left, uh, it was where like two or three neighborhoods were. And so things began to change while we were in Plano. Um, I was there from 1983 until my high school graduation in 1996. Uh, and then I worked a couple summers uh, in Plano, uh, came back for a little bit in 97 and 98, and then I got out of town. And uh, quite frankly, I didn't want to come back. My time uh, in Plano um, didn't end, though. My wife and I uh, got married and we moved to the Metroplex, but I wanted to kind of keep an arm's length distance from Plano. And so we stationed up in Dallas near downtown. And then um, even when the Plano campus here at Watermark opened, I just kind of stayed away from it. I wanted kind of away from Plano. Um, even as I began, as this campus did open up and I met with a couple staff members here, they were just so excited that I might have a history with this place and thus I'd have a heart for Plano. And I just kind of in my heart was like, I, I don't like this place. Not this campus. I don't like Plano. And it was to my shame that I say that. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I just looked back on my time here and I just go, man, I didn't like the things that I saw here. There's a, a, a quote that sometimes gets attributed to Benjamin Franklin. Uh, I'm not sure he said it, but it, the quote goes something like this. Some men die when they're 25. They just don't get buried until they're 75. Some men die when they're 25. They just don't get buried until they're 75. And I think I translate that quote as, hey, some men um, at the age of 25 begin to pursue a path with their life. They get either distracted or they, they get hooked on something and they pursue this vice, 
down the road. Or maybe they take good things and they just make them ultimate things. And they head down a path that little do they know leads to death. And they walk that road the rest of their days spiritually dead until their physical death occurs. And, uh, and so by the definition of that quote, the reason why this place was hard for me is when I was growing up, I saw thousands of people die by the definition of that quote. And to be f- quite frank, I, I saw plenty buried here as well. Now today, I, I, I just want to tell you, I love this town. I love this town, flaws and all. And I'm so glad that the Lord has planted me here and I've been praying for the city in ways I never thought I would. And as recently as probably three years ago, I I would have been maybe the last person that would want to give this message. And today I'm telling you, I'm first in line. And so what I want to do this morning is extend the Relate series one more week. And uh, there we go. Yeah, get a couple whoops in there. Uh, I want to extend the Relate series to how we are to relate to Collin County and how we are to relate to Plano. Uh, Just a couple of caveats up front. Uh, when, you, uh, when I say Collin County, if you live in Dallas County or if you live in Rockwall County or Denton County, I'm talking about where you live, okay? And when I say Plano, if you live in uh, Dallas or Richardson or Sachse or Wiley, I'm talking about your town. If I'm McKinney or Anna or Allen, I'm, I live in, in Allen, all right? I'm talking to you as well. And definitely if, if, if you're in Frisco or somewhere uh, we'll talk about you in a little bit, but I am talking to you all. And so let's relate well to wherever we live and wherever our sphere of influence is. The second thing that I want in your head is the key word that uh, how I want you to relate to Collin County and Plano. And that key word is, is opportunity. If you remember back in January and February when we talked about how we were to relate to God, the, the key word that we wanted in your head was the word good, that he's a good father. When we talked about how we should relate to the Bible, the, the key word in our heads was, was treasure. We're to treasure God's word. Whether it was marriage or whether you were single, the word that we wanted in your head was, was it's a gift. It's a gift. And so the word I want in our head this morning is the word opportunity. Uh, because Collin County presents a lot of opportunities for all of us. And we're going to dive into a little bit of that today. And it might get somber for a little bit, but stick with me. Even as we kind of hit a couple of somber notes, I want you to have the key word in your head, opportunity. We're going to investigate a little bit of Collin County's past, and we're going to then see the future of where this place is going. And then we're going to talk about what that means today, here, and now. And so let's jump in. The... uh, when you rate a city's infrastructure, when you rate a city's foundation, for most of us, we're going to immediately start looking at certain things. We're, gonna, we're curious how good the roads are, maybe how well zoned some of the property lines are. Uh, before long, we're going to start looking at what is real estate prices doing in the area? Is this a good place to own land? Is, uh, is this a place where there's good jobs? Is there a high quantity of jobs in this area? These are these are things, right? If we're raiding a city, we're going to go to these things. We want to know how much does the average job pay here? And this is what we would consider as probably the, a foundation to a city and whether we would want to live there. And if you're raiding Plano on any of these metrics, we're scoring high marks. This land has been a place that over the last 20, 30, 40 years, this has been a place where people could come for great economic opportunity, 
for great academic opportunity for our kids. There's good schools here. And this is a safe place, or so we say, for families to raise their kids. It's good familial opportunity here as well. So this is the city's infrastructure. This is the city's foundation. And, and don't get me wrong, these are good things. Every city should strive for these things. But Christ, when he was here in his Sermon on the Mount, he was kind of redefining some things. He was talking about redefining the foundation that lasts. And as you kind of work through the Sermon on the Mount, he just starts with going, blessed are those for, who hunger and thirst for, for righteousness. That's the place where the foundation begins. And then from there, we're called to be a salt to the earth, and we're supposed to be a light to it as well. We're supposed to be a city on a hill, which cannot be hidden. We are to let our works shine before men so they may see our good deeds, not glorify us, but glorify our Father who is in heaven. This is some of the foundation that we're supposed to be building in our individual lives and, and through our city. Matthew 6, he begins to, to, Jesus begins to just talk about how we are not to, to seek earthly treasures, but we are to seek that which is eternal. This is what builds the right foundation. We're not to seek security financially. We're to seek the Savior faithfully. And Jesus says, this is the foundation I'm talking about. Matthew 7, he says those words we're so familiar with. He goes, everyone Maybe every city who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Many of you came here for a lot of the opportunity that, that Plano offers, right? There's, there is incredible economic opportunity here. There's incredible academic opportunity and yet... Why you came here for whichever opportunity. This morning I want to talk about the opportunity of why God really brought you here. Because there's a gospel opportunity that we need to get back to. You can trace the history of this city to the 1840s. And if you're like me, you got a little tired of, of, of hearing this joke. I don't know if you've heard the joke, but I'll, I'll pass it along right now. Um, is that when Plano got its name because someone asked one day, where are we? And someone just said, we're in plain old Texas. And so I hated that joke. I'm glad you didn't laugh. Um, and, and just be better than that joke. That's my only encouragement. Be better than that joke. If you want a real good fact about Plano, we were almost called Fillmore, Texas, after everyone's favorite president, right, Millard Fillmore. Um, but that one got voted down so that we could name our city um, after the Spanish word for flat. So we kind of struck out on all of those, if you ask me, but... Uh, but it's Plano. Love it, all right? Uh, we survived here on uh, cattle farming and livestock raising for like 120 years. A lot of co uh, cotton farms here and uh, alfalfa farms. Uh, and so that's how uh, Plano just began to grow for about the longest time. For about 120 years, Plano's population was never more than 3,500 people. Collin County's population was never more than, say, 40,000 people. And that's what it was like. But in 1970s, uh, right, the road system began to change, uh, quicker modes of transportation began to arrive, and, and, and our proximity to Dallas uh, became uh, just kind of a, an attractive uh, means to people that were still working downtown. 
And then by the 1980s, Plano had shed its sleepy farming town persona altogether. EDS arrived here. And in 1990, by then, the uh, reputation of Plano was soaring. And other Fortune 5 companies wanted in on what Plano had to offer. Frito-Lay came. 7-Up came. J.C. Penney's arrived. And along with it came all that opportunity that brought most of us here. Plano was described nationally then as a place where above average was average. As I read here, it just said our homes were bigger, our square footage was bigger, our ceilings were more vaulted, our yards were better manicured, our teachers were better, our schools were more excellent, our population growth was better. We were no longer 3,500 people. We were up to 130,000. Our median household income was 54,000, nearly 80% better than the national average. And statistically, we were one of the safest cities in America. We had one of the lowest homicide rates in, in, in all the country. And mind you, none of this is bad. But none of these things are uh, the strong infrastructure that Christ was talking about either. None of these replace the need to seek first his kingdom. In 1994, the National Civic League named Plano the All-American City. If you drive around town, you'll see that, that, that moniker on, on different billboards or different kind of uh, uh, advertisements that maybe hang off light poles. Plano, the All-American City. They said we had Mayberry values and leave it to Beaver morals. This was the place to live nationally. That was at least one of the narratives. And while that narrative was... Being written, there was another story that was being written. The Plano, we were getting distracted by decadence. Parents were charging hard after earthly treasure during the weeks and pushed their kids hard with youth sports on the weekend. We were excellent in the boardroom. We called for excellence on the ball field. And yet we didn't strive for excellence in the home. And so the relationships that mattered most, the, the marriages that were in Plano and the, and the parenting of our kids, well, we just collectively just decided that was inward stuff. And that was more important to portray a strong outside architecture. We thought we'd be fine. Some of the first cracks appeared in, in Plano in 1983. That was the year I moved here. There was a string of, of teenage suicides that rocked the land. Many from the national media descended upon our land for the first time, and New York Times most report most notably. And it wasn't before long that Plano earned the unfortunate nickname of the suicide capital of the world here in this land. We had that nickname. Suicides didn't stop in 1983. In 1991, I had a 13-year-old a friend of mine who took his own life. And that would just be a string of two or three or four more that happened during my time here of people that I walked with, but that felt a despair. They're inside the foundation had crumbled. The, this was not the narrative that we wanted to write here. Even as we were bragging about our homicide rate here, we were suppressing the truth about our suicide rate. As one publication wrote, the determination to keep a lid on the story was spurred on by an honest concern for property values. And so city 
city officials would show up at, at, at conventions and they would try to bury the story. And so life in Plano moved right along. And our real estate prices kept soaring. We were above average nationally. 1993, my friend John moved to town. And uh, I, at this point, I'm 15, and, and I'm a late bloomer. And so I had, uh, uh, had spent most of my time with friends playing sports. And yet I'm not the, I don't know, physical specimen maybe that I am before you today. And uh, hard to believe, I can imagine, yeah. And, uh, and so I just, I was well behind everyone, and so I had to give up sports. So I picked up the French horn. And my friend John was a trumpet player, and we spent time um, getting through band and marching practice over and over again. And we learned to crack each other up. We learned to be good running buds. We began studying together. We would do what I guess teenagers do. We were playing video games, and we were shooting hoops in the, in the driveway. We even started working together. My, uh, my parents owned a hair salon and I mean, of all the things to own, I don't know why it was a hair salon, but uh, we, John and I would, was given the task of cleaning the hair salon every night for three hours. And so we would spend hours together cleaning up a hair salon, talking about uh, just what mattered in life and what we wanted to pursue. We talked about what we wanted to be known for, and we, and we just shared some of those things. Yet I started to notice that over time, John's Demeanor started to change. At first, I kind of chalked it up to we had the newfound freedom of driving a car around town, and so maybe it had something to do with that. And before too long, I, I noticed that this guy who was incredibly smart, got good grades, just academically started to not show up at class. Started to notice that he was less dependable at work, too, and things began to disappear around the salon. Something went right with my friend. And yet I didn't lean in. 1993, about the time my friend John moved to town, that another guy moved to town. His name was Eclisario Martinez Garcia. He moved to McKinney, and, and he was looking for opportunity and moved up from Mexico, and he was trying to find some way to make ends meet in, in the area. And when he laid eyes on Plano, he knew what he could do. The business sector meant that there was a booming population which had brought a large amount of teenagers and young adults that had money to burn. There were distracted parents, or better yet, distracted parents who desired to just turn a blind eye. And reading now from a different publication, there was an upscale market for Jaguars and Learjets, but somehow nobody had thought to supply the place with high-quality heroin. And so he seized the opportunity. In 1996, the string of heroin doses began. We had four that year. In 1997, we had nine. And by uh, halfway through 1998, we had another six. Nineteen kids in total in a two-year span died of heroin overdoses here. Nineteen of my classmates. Doctors to this day are surprised that it wasn't even more. They were on average treating three to four heroin overdoses each night. And by this time, John and I weren't friends anymore. We had kind of gone our separate ways, and, and I, I just didn't know what he was up to. And one day in the summer of 1990, I, I found out there had been a wide-encompassing drug bust of about 29 people, and the story showed up in the Dallas Morning News. 
just in the bottom corner of that paper, just said that there had been the drug bust. And as you went into the inside of the paper, they just listed out all the names involved, those 29 people that were involved. And most of those names read from like the who's who of my high school yearbook. And weeks and months ahead, a lot of those names became faces in the papers. Some declared themselves guilty. My friend John's picture showed up in the yearbook. All of my friends were showing up in that paper. And it was their picture taken from their yearbook, basically. Those were my friends in there. The world was stunned. For a second time, media descended upon here. Diane Sawyer came to town. 60 Minutes came to town. MTV did a... Uh, an hour-long documentary here. All the papers came back. New York Times, Baltimore Sun, Los Angeles Times. All were wondering how in the world it could happen here. Newsweek, The Economist, Rolling Stone Magazine, all were doing stories. The national media kept wondering, how could it happen here? This place is beautiful. It's gorgeous. How could it happen here? It's not the first time man's been impressed with outward appearance. Mark 13, Scripture records one of the disciples coming up to Jesus as they were making their way into Jerusalem. And he said, teacher, look at what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings there are here, referring to the the temple. We know Jesus doesn't measure things by outward appearance. He was more concerned at the foundation that was crumbling. Jesus responds. His response is recorded in Matthew 23. He just says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones who are sent to her. As if to say here, plano, plano, who lead distracted lives of empty pursuits, whose marriages are dead, whose families are withering within. How often I've wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and yet you were unwilling. And so behold, I'm about to leave what's yours decimated. And so how did it happen here? I, I want to be really clear. In the 1980s, Plano didn't have a suicide problem. In the 1990s, where we got the moniker with the, the heroin capital of the world, we didn't have a heroin problem. Plano has had and still has a gospel problem. We have church buildings that dot our landscape, but we don't largely have faithful men and, willing, men and women who are willing to live as the church. In a place where we pride ourselves on being above average, in general, our pursuit of Christ has been well below that mark. And so why do I share this today? Why do I take us to this place? It's because if you don't see the wound, you won't long for the cure. If you don't see the wound, you won't long for the cure. And so what's the cure? It's you. You are the cure. And to be more specific, Christ in you is the cure. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It is the hope of Collin County and Plano. You are Christ in you. Is his plan A, plan B, plan C for Collin County, for Plano, for wherever he has you stationed. The other reason why I'm sharing this is because if you don't share the cure, when you are the cure and you don't share it to the wounded, there's regret. 
I had countless hours with my friend John to talk about where life was found, what was truly worth pursuing, and I held on to it. My friend John went to prison, but I knew a few years later that he got let out, and so I went looking for him. And all I can tell you about what happened to my friend John is that some kids die when they're 15. They just aren't buried until they're 27. And so I missed out on my chance with John. And yet I know I've got other opportunities. And that's the other reason why I want to share this with you today is because the ingredients of what happened in Plano in the 80s and 90s are coming to Collin County again. And we've got another opportunity. We have another opportunity to be the shepherd that Christ calls us to be in this land. There was a time where Israel had a chance to reclaim its status as the shepherd for all nations. It's in Ezekiel 33, the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel and reading in verse two, it just says, son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, if I bring a sword upon the land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman. And if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then the fault lies with the people that hear the sound of the trumpet and do not take warning. A sword comes and takes him away and his blood is on his own head because he heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning. That person's blood is on himself. But verse six, if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But for the blood, that I will require from the watchman's hand. And in verse 7, don't miss this. Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. And watermark Plano, we have been appointed a watchman for Collin County and for Plano. You're the watchman. You are the shepherd. And if the shepherd doesn't do anything, the wolf will win. The ingredients are back here. Back in the 1980s, it was EDS, JCPenney, Frito-Lay, and 7-Up that moved into the area. Today, it's Dr. Pepper joining 7-Up. It's State Farm that you see the building at the high five. Or at George Bush in 75. Toyota's coming in process. Liberty Mutual's on its way. J.P. Morgan Chase, Fannie Mae, their regional office are coming Hundreds of thousands of jobs are coming to the area in the next 20 years. It's expected to be another 2 million people coming. If you look at the population map from 1960 to 2000 and compare it from 2000 to what's expected to be in 2040, they look eerily similar. It's coming again. We have an opportunity to be a city on a hill. We have an opportunity to be the watchman that we've always longed to be. You know who else sees the opportunity? The Ecclesario, Ecclesario Garcias of the world. They see the opportunity too. They see the population. They see the money. And they want to come and come after it. And, and how messed up is it that they would pursue lives with more vigor than we would? They see the wound 
And yet all they're trying to do is deliver poison to the wound. We know the cure. And so as a church, as Watermark Plano, we cannot, we should not be out-hustled by drug dealers. And look, this isn't a heroin message. And look, if if you're here and and maybe you have tasted part of the problem, maybe you've been a part of it in some manner, I, I just want you to know you are not the enemy. We want to help you. We have a ministry on Tuesday nights called Regeneration where you are welcome and we would love to walk you through anything that's troubling you, especially if it's a couple of the things I've been talking about, suicidal thoughts or heroin. We want to help because this much we know about the gospel. Some kids die when they're 15. Some men die when they're 25. But the transformative power of Christ brings them back to life. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. And he desires to rob the grave. He desires to rob you from it. Psalm 68, 20 says, To us the Lord is the God of deliverances, and to him belong escapes from death. And you can be one of those. We are called to be one of those. If that's your story... If you came and if you claim Christ, you've been rescued from the grave. Make no doubt about it. What do we do today? Christ said all the law and the prophets boil down to two things. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second thing we do is we go love your neighbor as yourself. I love it. When 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 Peter's restored Christ has gone and robbed and brought him back. John 21, it captures the story of Jesus restoring Peter. And he just asks him, Peter, three times, do you love me? As if to ask, do you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind? Peter's answer all three times is absolutely yes. Yes, you know I do, Lord. And then Jesus responds three different times then go feed my sheep, tend to my lambs. You love me with all your mind, all your heart, all your strength, then go love your neighbor. And that's the question for us today, right? Do you love the Lord? Good. Go feed his sheep. Go tend to the people here in Plano. Go tend to your neighbor's which is scripture would define as, as our literal neighbors in our neighborhood, the people that we work with, the, te- the people that we um, do other various activities with. You go out to lunch today, as we talk about many times, that's a neighbor that's going to be serving you. And you have an opportunity to see the wound and offer the cure that is the gospel. As a church, we often get asked, what's our plan for, for missions? Kind of what's our plan for international missions? Everyone wants to change the world. And yet so often we forget that if we want to change the world, it means that Plano, Texas has got to be changed. That Collin County has got to be changed. And so the question we really got to be asking is, what is our plan for, for missions here? And if it makes you feel better, we are doing things internationally. Don't get me wrong. We're taking the gospel to Central Africa and to the Middle East. We're in Haiti. 
have discipleship trips that are going to the Amazon. We are doing things around the world, but if we're going to change the world, we got to start here. As a great hero of the faith, C.T. Studd put it, and I like that name, by the way. C.T. Studd. I, could, I would have taken that one. The light that shines the farthest, he said, shines the brightest at home. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And so we got work to do to shine bright here. We want to shine bright in Central Africa and the Middle East. Well, we let, let's shine bright right here. And it's not going to happen by accident. We need a plan. We need a plan for the opportunity that awaits us. So one of my fears with a, with a message like this is that I just give you a couple of checkbox items and, and I do the same and I just go home and go, okay, good, I checked that off the list and now I'm done. I can kind of tuck that message aside. The other fear is that I don't, we don't offer anything and we all kind of don't know what it is and so we need a plan. We need a plan for the opportunity. And so let me just give us an acronym that we can work off of for, for plan. Let me start with P, passions and powers. If you're a believer, God's given you irrevocable gifts and you're called to employ and deploy them. He's given you unique experiences like growing up here for me. He's given you unique desires. And so if you don't know, if you've never taken a spiritual gift inventory, we would love to help you. If you don't even know where to begin, do the pull the tear off, as Kyle talked about in the bulletin. Tear that off and write down, I need help knowing my spiritual gifts. Put your name and contact information, drop it in a giving box, and we will have someone follow up with you. And we'd love to get you in, in a community group, if you're not already, and talking about that in your groups and processing through what does your next faithful step look like with your passions and your powers. And once we know those, the question that I really want you wrestling with today is what would you do if you weren't distracted? What would you do? What would you do if you weren't distracted? What would you do if you did what God was calling you to pursue? What would that be? And I want you to know there's opportunities all around us. Some of these may appeal to you and you may have something else on your mind. If you're, if you're looking for some ideas here at the Plano campus, go to www.watermark.org forward slash Plano forward slash external focus. Again, that's forward slash Plano forward slash external focus. And you're going to find some of these ideas. We're opening the, Kes the Quest Care Clinic, right? That's been something we've been praying for as a body here. And so in April... The Quest Care Clinic is open and we're going to start serving the wounded here. Amen? That's worth cheering about. And we're not just going to be cheering, or we're not going to just be serving physical wounds, right? We know there's a spiritual wound too. And we're going to offer the cure there as well. We, we, we're mentoring students at uh, UT Dallas, international students that are looking to how to plug into this area. And you have an opportunity to be one of those mentors for somebody, most likely not of, of the Christian faith, and you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. You can partner with our Prestonwood Pregnancy Center. There's a ton of other opportunities that I don't want you to miss that you can be involved with in some of our external focus. The other thing that I just want you to know is that besides kids and student ministries, there hasn't been a single ministry here that wasn't started by the body of Christ, that wasn't started by you guys. 
Even this Plano campus was started because people in Collin County raised their hands, a handful of them. The light started right there, this campus. It started when it was, went from three to 12 and then it went to, to 70. And then it went to 500. It's because you guys, faithful men and women, raised their hands. I said, let's get going. We need the gospel up here in Collin County. Just a handful of people. It's like a candle started lighting. Affected other people. I mean, celebrate. Three years in, here we're going. And, and as, as, as Kyle said, the, the bulletin stories are filled with stories that have happened here because a handful of people raised their hands and then others joined around them. They used their passions and powers to, to get the gospel going in different ways here in Collin County. It's incredible. And now what are we doing? You see that map? Frisco's looking a little less bare. And so it's time. Those dots represent members, right? And so now it's time to get some people plugged in in Frisco. Get other Christ followers growing to extend our reach into Collin County. We're piloting divorce care here at this campus. We're going to be offering in the fall. Not because staff pushed it forth, but because one of you, someone you're sitting next to today, said, we need this. We're taking regeneration into prisons, not because I'm the regeneration guy, but because someone in the body said we need to take the light to the darkness. These opportunities are all around us. I can look around our body and go, man, we're not as, we got a younger, we're missing out on some of our young adults. And yet we've got apartment complexes all around us. We've got more going in within a mile or two, tons of them. And I'm not saying young adults are the only people that live in, in apartments, but I know there's a lot of them there. We go after them. Do you know we have 53,000 students in the Collin County area college students at Collin College? 53,000. We've got 18,000 right over my shoulder within a mile at that Spring Creek campus. 18,000. I mean, you put that in perspective, there's 12,000 at SMU. There's 11,000 at TCU. I'm telling you, there's opportunity. There's opportunity all around us. And I don't know, what would you do if you weren't distracted? How would God deploy your passions and your powers? It's time for us to start making sure we're doing just that. The light that shines the brightest shines the farthest, shines the brightest here. And so we got to have a love for this land. I remember growing up here in Plano as a new believer in uh, 1992. And I just wondered, I wonder what God's going to do with my life. I wonder where he's going to send me. And I, I, in some ways, don't we wrestle with that question still to this day? And look, I don't know. I, I, the answer for all of us is different. And yet the, there's part of the answer that's the same for all of us. If you want to know where God's called you to today, it's right here. You may, have been, you may have came here for some of the economic and academic opportunities that existed, but God has brought you here because there's a gospel opportunity. If you see the wound, long to be the cure. You got to seek the welfare and the land in which you live. And so you pray to the Lord on its behalf. And in its welfare, you will have it. You will have your welfare. Jeremiah 29, 7 says. And if you don't have a love for this land, I didn't. Just ask for the Lord. Ask the Lord for it. And that's a prayer he won't turn down. He will graciously Supply the affection you need for this area. The A, the P's, passions and powers. The L's, love for the land. The A's, authenticity. We have to have a plan for authenticity. 
in a place that prides itself on being above average, we love to present ourselves as having it all together, don't we? And yet I think if we want to be above average in anything, let's be above average in, in, in how authentic we are. We've got to get outside of our doors and we've got to go across to our neighbor's house and tell them what's really going on in our lives. Don't hide it from them. Share it with them. You've got to have a plan. My plan is just simple. I, just, I, I run through my head who I was before Christ, and I, and, I, and I tell my neighbors that. And then I just go, once Christ came into my life, he began to redeem my mess. My mess was gambling and fear of man. And then today, because of what Christ has done in my life, I'm not perfect. But he's given me a new race to run. I just share that. It takes 30 seconds and come up with your own. Practice it. Work on it. And have a plan for how you're going to unleash your authenticity. The in is neighborhood. you got to have a plan for your neighborhood. As I've talked about, we like to ask ourselves, what's our missions plan of the corporate church? And yet we need to be asking ourselves, what's our plan for our neighborhood? What's my plan for my neighborhood? I tell you, you want to see God's plan for Collin County, it's right here. That's God's plan for Collin County. Us, members, sprinkled all over the county. Lights in different neighborhoods. I look at that and I go, look, we got Wiley covered. I, I know where the gospel cure should be coming from in the Deerfield area. I know where it should be. It's you guys. And so what's your plan for your neighborhood? This stuff doesn't just happen by accident. You have to have a plan. Just a couple of things that, that people around our body do. My wife and I, we like to have people over on Sunday nights. Just come over for dinner. We won't make it awkward, but at some moment, we'll just share our story. I'll share my story of God's grace in my life. My wife will share her story. And then we're just talking again. We'll make sure that there's Christmas and Easter invites given up. Now's a great time to do some of that. Take over some, some goodies and treats. My kids love to do that stuff. Get out of the house and take that to the neighbors. We've got people here that do backyard Bible clubs. They pair up with other members in the area and they're running backyard Bible clubs for kids in their area. I know we've, uh, if you talk to Meg or Derek, our, our women's and men's equipping director, that they have resources just ready to go for you to unleash them. Bible studies in your home. I know many of at least some of the women have been doing that. And I just say, way to go. We've been doing Bible studies in our neighborhood. There's so much more of that we can be doing. What's your plan? What's your plan for the neighborhood? You've got to have a plan for the opportunity that exists. You've got to take your passions and your powers. You've got to take your love for the land. You've got to take um, authentic life into your neighborhood. That's your plan for opportunity. That's your plan Oh, that's your Plano. All right. I worked hard on that one, okay? <laughs> I forced a couple things there. Thank you. Let me do this. Let me close with this story. It's, it's another kind of personal story. I, I hope it means something to you. There's a, there's a picture in the front of my Bible that um, I, won't mean anything at first. It's just a picture of an old lectern. And, uh, and yet it's in my Bible as a constant reminder. It's been my phone screensaver from time to time. Um, the backstory behind this picture is uh, some 12 years ago, I had an opportunity to, to go to Europe and I, I showed up in the Prague, into the Czech Republic, into Prague for the first time. 
And uh, when, you, when you arrive there, you can't help but notice this amazing statue. It is a monstrous statue of, of a man by the name of Jan Hus, who lived some 600 plus years ago in what then was the Bohemian region, which now modern day Prague. And I was so taken back at just how this man's legacy has lived on in this area of Prague. I came back home and I just began to do a little research about who Jan Hus was. You call him Jan Hus if you'd like. There's a lot of pronunciations for his name, but I start to, to realize that this guy was just an ordinary guy who had a passion for the Word of God. And he loved his land. Back then, the, the Word of God didn't exist in the Bohemian language that was existed in the region. And so they didn't know what the cure was. They had the wounds. Jan Hus could see the wounds. And he knew that the cure was found in getting the word of God into the people's hands. And so he began work translating the word of God into the Bohemian languages. He began delivering messages of authenticity basically to his neighborhood. He was one little candor that, that, that began to light the wicks of other candles. The light got so bright in that area that the Roman Catholic Church wasn't happy with what was going on, and so they descended upon the region, and they arrested Jan Hus, and they gave him two options. They said, you can either denounce or renounce what you're doing, or we will burn you at the stakes. And Jan Hus just goes, well, I don't like option one, and so burn me at the stakes if you must. That's what the statue is in the middle of Prague's city square is Jan Hus being burned at the stakes. I had an opportunity to go back to Prague a couple of years ago and I, and I found Jan Hus's church, Bethlehem Chapel, just off the square and I sat in that church for some 30 or four minutes, 30 or 40 minutes just staring up at, at Jan Hus's lectern. Just thanking God for what he did in Jan Hus's life, that he was just a candle that had gotten snuffed out but it had lit the wicks of of countless people around him, so much so that it would eventually overtake all of Europe, light the candle of Martin Luther. 100 years after Jan Hus was burned at the stake, Martin Luther carried that torch to bring the word of God to God's people. As I thanked, finished thanking God for Jan Hus's life, I walked out and I just, as I stared up one last time, I just go, man, I'm so thankful for the mark that Jan Hus left behind. So thankful that he ran his race. And then this video that we're about to play played in my mind. Jan Hus had his time and he was faithful with it. Now it's my time. Now it's our time. And I walked out and this video just ran in my mind. <laughs> 